the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'd like to feature a conversation I recently recorded with Ashley Keating. Ashley is a second-year student in our Executive MBA class of 2020, and she and I recently sat down to talk about a lot of different things. Her MBA journey, what led her to Darden, uh, her startup that she is in the process of launching, her experience in the program, and much, much more. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Ashley Keating. Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brett. I'm so excited to be here. All right. So uh, tell us a little bit more about you. What's your background? Uh, What are you doing currently? Great. Thank you. So as Brett mentioned, my name is Ashley Keating. I am a member of the Darden Executive MBA class of 2020. I have a background in account management and marketing, uh, specializing really in strategic relationship development. I've worked the past 10 years for Adobe in various business development, marketing, and customer success management roles with a focus primarily on our federal government customers, so Department of Defense and Intelligence community clients. Prior to that, I worked for the U.S. Army as a DOD civilian. I have, I am currently working now on an entrepreneurial venture um, hoping to launch in the next few months. Wow. So a, a lot, a lot there. We'll come back to your entrepreneurial venture. Um, I want to talk a little bit more right now about how you decided to get an MBA. Was it something you had thought about for a long time? Uh, how'd you think about the timing? Just curious about uh, how, how uh, you arrived at the idea that this was the right educational step. Absolutely. So an MBA had always been something I thought I might do in the future. I was a marketing and psychology double major in undergrad, and I worked in the business world. So an MBA always seemed like an interesting and important step, but I never wanted to take two years out of my career to make that happen. I was always in really interesting, dynamic jobs and didn't want to leave them. So a few years ago, I was looking at making a career switch potentially, and many of the opportunities I was coming across had in the requirements field MBA preferred. So that really got me thinking that maybe I was at the time in my career where an MBA would help propel me forward. Um, So actually, this was several years ago. I took the GMAT, I think, in 2015. So I started really studying for it in 2014, um, and I was just waiting for the right time, career-wise, family-wise. Um, yeah, so here I am. So here you are, and almost uh, almost at graduation. I know it probably feels a little presumptuous to say that, but uh, we're recording this. Uh, you're in quarter seven right now. Um, quarter eight's on the horizon. After that, it's just the elective period, quarters nine and ten, and then LR2, and, and you're done. That's right. Uh, how does that feel? It's exciting to be looking towards graduation. I think it's a little bittersweet. I'm sure everyone you interview says this, Um, but the program is incredibly rigorous and intense. So the idea of having my time back is very nice. Um, But the classes and the conversations are incredibly stimulating in a way that I have not gotten since being an undergrad. Uh, So I will definitely miss that and I'll, I'll miss the people that I've been able to really get to know through the process. So the time thing um, is something I think we, we have many pr- prospective student conversations, phone calls, in-person meetings, just had a dinner last night, and everybody asked about time and time management. 
And they know Darden. They know Darden is, is challenging. Case method is is one of the more challenging ways to learn all of this. Lecture would be a lot easier. Um, so how did you think about, you know, the time commitment? How have you managed the time commitment? You mentioned you have a family. Um, you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So I do have a family. I am a mom of three little people. So when I started, my youngest was, I think, seven months old. And then I had a three-and-a-half-year-old and a a a five-and-a-half-year-old at the time. Um, So, And I had a very demanding job. I mean, it was in account management, which is owning the client relationship. So you really do have to be available whenever the customer needs you, which I think is one of the reasons, you know, looking at all the pieces of my life that it took me so long to actually take the step. Um, So I would say for folks who are looking at doing an MBA – when Darden says it will be 20 hours a week, it really probably will be 20 hours a week, but you probably have that time in your schedule. So I have not turned on the television since before I started this program. <laughs> you know, I've really gotten tight, I think, in my life with what I choose to do and what I choose not to do. You know, it's a two-year program, so things like TV that used to be, you know, an interesting way to unwind in the evenings... You know, now I spend that time either doing work or doing schoolwork. Um, It's not forever. That's an important thing to remember that you will get that time back in your life. But it does make you much more focused and able to, you know, really, really laser focus on what you're going to get done. One thing that I found really helpful that a classmate recommended to me when we first came to the program was look at the work that you have the schoolwork that you have for that week or that month and schedule it into your calendar. So whether that's five to six in the morning, I'm working on marketing and then, you know, nine to 10 o'clock at night, I'm working on um, decision analysis. Then you don't have the stress of wondering where the time is going to come from. And certainly you're going to have to shift, you know, you have a sick kid or you have a, a work deadline, but you have that in your calendar and it gives you the confidence that you'll be able to, uh, you know, complete it. That's a great point. Um, when I first started in this role, I talked with a lot of the then second year students about how they managed the time. I was just curious. A lot of them, they were almost hyper scheduled mm-hmm. in everything. So obviously work, everything's on the calendar. Uh, school was on the calendar. And many of them also put family activities on the calendar because in many ways, those are the sort of non-negotiable activities in your life. Um, we've had many students on the podcast talk about how important it is to continue to make time for your partner, for uh, your your children, to put it on there. It's of equal standing with everything else. And pe- people on your learning team know to that's you know that's when I have family time or whatever. How, how have you approached sort of making sure? your family is still still in the mix with all of this. Absolutely. I mean, for the kids, some of the time is non-negotiable. So the bedtime, you know, being able to kiss them goodnight when possible is really non-negotiable. Um, I've had to really put time on the calendar for me and my husband because I think sometimes that is the first relationship that can fall off, but also the most important. Um, yeah, so I think making sure the time that you're spending is really quality. So you might not have as much quantity, but... Um, you know, you're really focused and dedicated, whether that's school, work, or family. Yeah. So um, you will get some time back at, at the end of this. And uh, uh, your, your comment about it be, being bittersweet, that does resonate with many of the conversations. I think what people realize as they get into this program is 
there's no other equivalent experience in your life where, you know, once a month you're going to come together uh, with a like-minded group of people who are all committed to their professional development, interested in talking about cases with faculty on this level and this opportunity, you know, it just doesn't exist out, out there in the, in, in, in the world. Absolutely. That's what I have found. So I've been very fortunate and blessed to work with extremely smart people throughout my career. The Darden experience is different in that you have folks from all different walks of life, all different industries and all different jobs. And you're able to really study cases and debate them and dissect them in a way that you don't get in the professional world. It's incredibly stimulating and just generates new ideas and new ways of thinking. It's been awesome that way. So um, as you thought through your business school options, what about Darden really resonated with you? Um, Yeah. What what made this the right choice? Yeah. So I looked at a number of different schools. Um, Darden, of course, is you know, top tier program in the area, which was attractive. When I really started digging in, for me, the case method was one of the big sellers. Um, I just thought that would be such a better way to learn and also an interesting way to develop um, self-confidence and the ability to speak professionally in a group of people on topics that I'm not an expert on. So in my work life, I love um, public speaking and I love to speak up in meetings, but normally it's in a subject that I feel very comfortable and confident in. Um, You know, in business school, there are topics, decision analysis, for example, that I've never taken. And I would have to, you know, present my findings. I might be cold called in class. So certainly in the moment, that's very fear inducing, even though it is a friendly environment, but it really does force you to learn the skills to be confident when you don't have all the information. And I think that's super valuable. So the case method was a big reason. I loved the global aspect as well. So I studied abroad in college. I also had the opportunity to live in Germany for a few years after college and work in Germany, which was amazing. And I knew having the ability to go abroad with this program would be you know, something that really set it apart for me. Um, so yeah, I think those are the three reasons it was a top tier program, maybe four, I guess it was local. The case method was probably on the top of the list and then the global aspect. Those are, uh, certainly all, all familiar reasons for people. Um, the case method is probably one of those things for most prospective students. It seems a little mysterious. Uh, we talk about this all the time. It doesn't readily tell you what it is. Um, how would you describe it to a prospective student now that you've been here for 14 or so months. Yeah. I would say the difference between a traditional lecture kind of class and the case method is in a lecture class, you may or may not have done the research ahead of time. Most of the time is the professor giving information to you and you might have a question or two. The case method, you're expected to be fully prepared for class. Most of the discussion is by your peers, the other students. So the professors are experts at leading the discussion, um, but you are really expected to participate fully and you are teaching the other students in your class. Um, That doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. So I think it was probably the second quarter. I was really struggling in some of the classes that I did not feel like an expert in how to contribute. And one of the professors told me that you can make a meaningful contribution by asking an important question 
And that really resonated with me because I think in the business world as well, you know, in a meeting, in a discussion, asking a pointed question that gets everyone in the room to think about something in a different way, you know, it's meaningful in both situations. So, um, yeah, so for the case, case method, I would say that is the big difference is mm-hmm. who's doing all the, the talking and who's doing all the learning. No, and the, the point you make about everybody sort of participating, it gives you an opportunity to sort of appreciate the diversity in the room, mm-hmm. the perspectives of your peers, their experience becomes part of the class discussion, so it expands your, your learning opportunities. Absolutely. And you really get to know the other folks in the room in a way that you would not in if you're just sitting in a lecture class. Yeah. Um, Ron Wilcox, uh, who teaches marketing in, in the program and is former, former head of the executive MBA program in the uh, earlier, earlier period, um, he said the great thing about the case method is it allows students to really develop executive presence while they're learning, mm-hmm. you know, so you are in the position because the big question is, w- what should we do? You know, what should, what should be the, I mean, there's other questions along the way, but that's really the sort of the payoff question. What should be done here and, and why? And you have to have to sell that to your classmates. Absolutely. And I think one thing almost all the professors do, we have sometimes very challenging cases, ethics or other things, and they make you take a stand. What is the way that you're going to have to go? Which is how it works in the business world a lot as well. So it's forcing you to be confident in your decision making. I was having a conversation with a prospective student this morning and was saying that that's one of the things that I think Darden students feel very comfortable with mm-hmm. is having a perspective. Because um, to your point, you don't get off in these classes with just <laughs> saying like, I think there's six options and then just like right. walking away from it. You have to make a decision. And uh I think one of the things that people sometimes fr- find frustrating uh, about MBA candidates is that they can give you a myriad of options, mm-hmm. but they can't tell you what we should do or, or why we shouldn't do that. And I think that is a lot of where the class time is spent, exploring the, the what and the why of a particular course course of action. Absolutely. And how you back it up. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about your, your startup venture. Um, so... Talked about your background, you know, being at Adobe. What are you doing? What are you doing now? Uh, what, what's the idea behind your startup? Yeah, it's it's really exciting for me. Uh, so this is in an area. It's nutrition and health. That is something that personally is always has always been very interesting and an area that I've spent a lot of time, but is not something that I have business experience in. So it's been great to be able to take some of the skills and um, knowledge that I've garnered throughout my career and apply it to this area that I'm passionate about. Um, so what we're what we've seen in the nutrition industry in the past several years is a move towards nutrition that promotes weight loss or weight goals but does not optimize health. So what we're really looking to do is bring together you know sustainable nutrition that provides, the ability to you know, lose or maintain weight, maintain health goals, get healthier in a way that is really sustainable, um, you know, pleasurable, achievable for the long run. What, um, how long had you thought about this particular idea? Is it something that had been on your mind or a relatively recent, recent realization? I knew that I was interested in the entrepreneurial world. I had gone through several different ideas and probably several iterations of this idea. 
So I've probably been thinking about this specific idea and refining it and doing a lot of research in the market to see what was out there um, several months, maybe a year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it feels good. Yeah, so um, what made you think like now is the time to really sort of step out in this way and say, I'm going to commit to this this Yeah, venture? it's funny. A lot of it really was the Darden experience. So we're I'm in class with all these interesting people talking about, you know, dynamic, interesting ideas. Um, I had a professional advancement course a few quarters back that really helped me explore what I wanted my future to look like. And, you know, maybe there were differences in the future than what my past had looked like. Um, and I had several conversations with my peers about wanting to launch this upon graduation um, or, you know, maybe sort of dabbling while I was doing the program. And several of them said, you know, now is the time you have all the resources of Darden behind you, the iLab, uh, these boot camp experiences, um, classes you can take. You're in this incubator of ideas and, you know, excitement and knowledge and other people also doing new kind of startup ideas. So it just seemed like this was the right time to make this work. If, if not now, maybe never. Right. So this was it. That's great. So, um, we talked, we were talking before we got started that you did the VC boot camp, the venture mm-hmm. capital boot camp. Um, talk a little bit more about that. Um, it takes place here, right in the DC area. Mm-hmm. It's in the DC area. It was in Reston. Um, and I, it was either two or three days, full days. Um, it was an amazing experience. I didn't have any experience in the VC world. It was a program that we had to do a little application for. Um, so there were folks from Darden. There were also folks from Wharton and a number of other schools that came together, residential MBAs and executive MBAs. And it's two or three days of um, you know, really deep diving into that world. And then at the end, you are grouped together with folks from other schools to put together a pitch. So you get that experience. Um, it was awesome. It really got me excited about this whole world and really thinking about, you know, what, what it can look like for me going forward. So you had mentioned you talked with your classmates. You're obviously having, you know, having a lot of brainstorming, evaluating the market. Uh, what's next uh, for the startup from here? Yeah. So we're really focused right now on getting out the 1.0 version um, to test the response in the market. So in the entrepreneurial world, it's called the minimal viable product, just to get it out in the market and to see what the response is. Because of course, we've done the research. We think this is an area where there's need, where we can really help fulfill um, you know, some needs and desires in the market, but nobody knows what products are going to be successful and which ones aren't, uh, right? Whoever thought the Snuggie would be a success. Um, so once we get that product into the market, if it is successful, then we have lots of runway to expand into other products, other avenues, and really ramp up from there. So uh, are you taking Greg Fairchild's entrepreneurial thinking class? I am. Well, it's not with Greg Fairchild, but I'm uh, in entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial thinking. Entrepreneurial right thinking. Yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, it's been great to be able to study other entrepreneurs in every stage of the journey. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk a little bit about um, who's leading your class and, and what, are you, what are you talking about in that class? What does that class actually look like? It's been great. So it's Professor Venkat who's teaching it this semester. So we're about halfway through and we have studied a number of different entrepreneurs. So um, Kate Spade, 
um, several other ones and we're in different stages along the journey. Um, so we're talking about how you create an idea and how you um, kind of do the research necessary to suss out whether that idea is valid or not because there are good ideas and bad ideas and you as the idea generator don't always know which ones are good and which ones are bad. And then we have talked about how you raise funding. So starting first with friends and family and, um, you know, next class we'll be talking more about raising funding from, um, you know, angel investors and later stage. Um, but we're also talking about the tenets of entrepreneurship. So things like, you know, minimal viable product, which I just mentioned. Um, and then also, you know, they, they mention failure as being part of the journey and how if you're going to fail, you want to fail cheaply, you want to fail smart, and you want to fail quick. Um, so getting things out the door so you can test the response before you're spending millions of dollars creating them. Right. That's a, something like the effectuation model, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're very early on trying to figure out product market fit. Is there even a customer for what you're trying to sell? Right. Um, which is a little different. I, I think I'd always um, imagine that entrepreneurship, you go away for like years and develop the product and then you go to market. But the reality is, as soon as you think you have an idea, you know, your 1.0 idea, you, you go out there and you say, does anybody want this? Right. And you use that as feedback. Right. To either refine or shift. Right. We've talked a lot in class about the pivot, which is an important part of entrepreneurship. You have to maintain that which makes you your business, your business, but you have to be able to pivot. And so going from one idea to another idea or one iteration of the idea to another, that will make it successful. And that I think is, seems to be the critical juncture for an entrepreneur is what that pivot is. When is the right moment to take it? And what does it look like? Uh, outside of class, are there other sort of entrepreneurial resources that you're, you're accessing or things that you're reading, listening to um, that have sort of helped, helped you along this journey? Absolutely. So Darden has a bunch of resources. So I talked about the VC bootcamp. There's also Cav Angels, which is, um, you know, an investment fund that's being started. So myself and some of my classmates are working on um, helping out with doing the due diligence for new startups that come in asking the Cav Angels for money, which has been just fascinating to be on that side of it, doing the due diligence. Um, so that's an opportunity. The iLab um, is available at Darden. They have a number of contests and other resources that you can really use. Um, I have found probably most helpful the alumni network. Um, I think Darden alumni are just fantastic. I think we have the best alumni anywhere that I've seen. <laughs> um, so they've been really receptive um, I met with a couple of the professors to get names of folks who might be able to help me just think through what I'm doing and the journey. Um, and then reaching out to those alumni have, they've been really receptive. Um, so that's an opportunity as well. And then personally, I'm reading a number of books and just trying to keep myself plugged in. Um, actually within my class, we've started a little, um, there is an entrepreneurial group through Darden and just within our class, we've started just a couple of classmates who meet regularly to make sure that we're continuing to move the ball forward That's in, our, great. in our own little worlds. Yeah. Nice. Um, the Cav Angels work sounds really interesting. How did you get involved with that? It was after the VC boot camp. Um, the gentleman who is in charge of the Cav Angels came and spoke with us. 
and um, mentioned that they, you know, would need students to help run due diligence. So this summer they had an intern who was heading that up and then, you know, tapped us to um, help out, to help extend the reach. Wow. Yeah, it's been really interesting. This is, we're on our first um, real startup that we're doing the due diligence on. And it's been a great learning experience. Yeah, I imagine it might help you down the road when you perhaps pitch your idea. Absolutely, that's but, the goal. Yeah, that makes it all—it's all coming together. I think exactly. I'm—I think I'm following along here. Um, so, do you feel like the coursework outside of when I mean, we talked about your entrepreneurial thinking elective? Feel like the coursework generally has helped you think about starting your own business? What you've been doing at Darden? You know, you talked about how the resources have kind of given you the confidence, but in terms of your curricular experience. Has it been helpful to you? It has. So I have a business degree as an undergrad. So I was expecting to come in knowing some of the material. I will say I have been pleasantly surprised at the amount of knowledge that I am learning (laughs) in these classes. Um, And actually, when I was thinking about an MBA, I thought if someday I do want to start my own business, I want to have the knowledge to really be able to run my business the way I want to. Um, so my dad owned his own business and um, spoke about the importance of being able to understand where your money is going. Um, so he, one of the first businesses he ran had an employee that stole money and because they had outsourced all of their accounting and things, they didn't notice it for a while. So getting an MBA, you know, having the the foothold, even in things that I might not be doing in my day-to-day career, things like accounting, finance, understanding where the money is going, even operations, understanding how to get leaner, um, you know, how to reduce the cost so that there's more profit, you know, the the product is able to be successful from the the get-go. Those are all critical components for an entrepreneur to understand. So uh, what would be your advice for prospective students, you know, who are thinking about uh, an MBA, wondering, is this the right time? You know, can I do this? What would you share with with these folks? So the first piece of advice is if you're thinking about it, do it. It's so worth it. It is one of the best ways I think you can invest in yourself professionally and also personally. So that's the first piece of advice. Definitely do it if you're thinking about it and just do it now. The second piece of advice is if you are going to do it, make sure the people in your life are also on board. Um, So I think communicating early and often is always a best practice in work and in your personal life. But, you know, if you're married, making sure your spouse understands what the time commitment is going to look like. Um, If you have a family, understanding, you know, who's going to be taking on the responsibilities that you will may not have time for once you start the program, whether that's, you know, outsourcing cleaning or extra childcare or, you know, getting meals delivered, whatever that looks like. Um, so helping the people in your life understand your, your time commitment. Um, yeah, but I would say just do it. It's a great experience. Your, your point about if you're thinking about it now, mm-hmm. um, anytime we have a prospective student event and current students there, it is invariably the advice. Like if you're at an event like this or you're, if you've come for a class visit and you've gotten this far with thinking about it, you really should think about at least putting out 
putting together an application just to see where that leads because life gets more complex with with each passing year and if it's on your mind to your earlier point the 21 months really do fly by yeah you you don't have a lot of time where you're just sitting around wondering what's the next thing that i'm gonna do um and uh you know the conversations with the people in your life you know having them early and often do you talk with your kids about, you know, I'm going back to school and I'm getting an MBA and this, did you have that conversation? I did with those of them that were old enough to understand. <laughs> My daughter was a kindergartner at the time and she thought it was really cool that she and mommy were both going to school. Both in school. Yep. That's right. Um, and so many of our students talk about how when they get to graduation, it's not just uh, about them. It's about everyone that has facilitated the experience, you know, so as much about, uh, their family, you know, and, and sharing that moment with them because it's kind of a payoff for everyone. Absolutely. My classmates were talking about what gift we're going to get ourselves upon graduation. I think I should just get a gift for my husband who has had to, you know, pull double duty this whole time. He is the real superstar. Yeah. So, um, any advice on approaching those conversations you had mentioned, you know, in 20 hours, it's, you know, probably going to be 20 hours. Any other tips for how to have those conversations? Because I think sometimes it can be hard for people, whether it's at work or, you know, at home to think about even how to get that ball rolling, how to get that conversation started. Of course. I mean, of course, it depends on the relationship. You would have a different conversation with your spouse than you would work. By the time you're talking to work, you probably have already decided this is something you want to do. And so really for the work conversation, it's what I did was putting together a list of all the tasks that I do, all the things that I'm responsible for, how I'm going to make sure those get done, whether that's, um, you know, myself or tapping a, a coworker or a colleague to help out with those. So making sure that work feels like work is still a priority, even though school is now a priority as well. Um, in your personal life, you know, I do think your partner needs to be on board. Um, I think if they're not on board, you know, maybe helping them see why this will be valuable, not just for you, but for you as a couple going forward. Um, so what's in it for them, at least in the long run. Um, and yeah, just sharing what your dreams are, why you want to do the MBA, what it's going to get you so that they can help support you. Yeah. We, on the work conversation, that's great, great advice on, on both of the conversations on the work conversation. We do encourage people, uh, to have that that conversation before you really get into the meat of the application process mm-hmm. um, for a variety of reasons. One, we require one recommendation in the executive MBA application process and preferably it's from your current supervisor. You know, mm-hmm. if that's a new relationship or you just started working at a new company, maybe current supervisor doesn't make sense. But given the fact that you'll be working while doing this program, typically like to see a current supervisor and, uh, it's always best to have the conversation up front because when we've had students who've applied and then decided to have the conversation tends to go less well. The person tends to feel a little bit blindsided by it. So, you know, be upfront in all of these things Um, because it can be a really instructive conversation. I think, Um, I think some people feel it's risky um, at times because, well, my boss think I'm trying to leave or these, these kind of concerns, but it can also give people a lot of clarity on where they stand in the company and what the future is for them potentially at that, at that particular employer. Uh, is there a plan for them beyond their current role? Do they see an MBA as part of that progression? All of that's helpful information. Um, and can really kind of be sussed out through, through those conversations. So, 
there's always value. Absolutely. And the employer gets a lot of benefit as you're getting an MBA. I mean, you're able to bring back the things you're learning to directly impact your job every day. You're doing this MBA, and then once you have the MBA, that's valuable as well for the employer. Yeah, the um, the it always I think when you read it on the website, the sort of idea of short term ROI or immediate ROI, I think it feels people are like really, uh, you know, it's one of one of those, but. Everybody talks about how you become so much better at your job. Your perspective changes almost immediately. You know, we've had plenty of people come back from LR1 and be like, man, I wish I would have had this like two weeks ago when we were making this decision uh, about this thing or I was having this conversation with a colleague. I would have approached it completely differently, Um, which to me, I think is one of the many, many impacts of the program. Absolutely. Well, I can share two quick stories on that. I mean, one is... Immediately after we started taking these analytical classes, decision analysis being a big one for me, I brought that back into my job and looked at how I was making decisions and could I put more research and kind of analysis behind the decisions I was making to make better decisions. Uh, And the second is I had um, a challenge at work and brought it back to some of my peers at Darden who were removed from the situation who really helped me be able to see it with new light and new eyes. You do get a consultancy while yeah. you're while you're in the in the program. We joke all the time, but like if you're looking for some people to bounce ideas off, mm-hmm. what a what a great place to start with your Darden classmates. Absolutely. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for for taking the time to be here. It's been a pleasure. Obviously, we covered a lot. Um, good luck with your startup. Uh, you'll have to come back on the podcast to talk to talk about it. I will. Thank you, and thank you for the opportunity today. And that was my conversation with Ashley Keating a second-year student in our Executive MBA class of 2020. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Until next time, thanks for listening.